What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Ice the Kicker. My name is Glenn Zanigris, alongside, as always, Matt Ferrara. Week 13 in the books in the NFL. And if we learned anything from week 13 is that we do not know anything about football. And we can, and this, there's no point to us doing this podcast. And we and if you stop listening to us, we don't blame you because everything we said that might happen didn't happen. Who would have thought that the Giants would have beat the Seahawks? Who would have thought that the Redskins would beat the Steelers? It was just an absolute mess in the yeah. NFC East this week. Because, you know, the whole year, the last three months, we've been hearing the NFC East is garbage. They don't deserve a playoff team. Uh, they're going to go 6-10, and is going to win the division. Matt, that's not true anymore. Now it's a real fight for the end of the division. And it might take the 7-8 wins that you would normally see one of those kind of quasi-divisional wins that mm. you normally see in a normal year to win that division instead of like a 5-11, and 6-10. and 10. So the Giants beat... The Seahawks, nobody saw that coming. Colt McCoy under center beats Russell Wilson. And there's a lot of things to talk about in that game, about mm-hmm. not only the Giants and how well their defense was and how good their running game was, but also how bad the Seahawks offense was and how bad Russell Wilson looked. So we can talk about that. And then we can talk about the Steelers game, all that that went down with the play call and you know Tomlin's decisions not to, to go for it on a fourth and goal and not mm-hmm. to just take the points. And then there's the Eagles and their situation. Hurts is finally starter. And then there's the Cowboys, who seem to be the team in the NFC East that's completely bottoming out and then mm-hmm. have no shot at winning the division after getting dismantled by uh, the Baltimore Ravens yesterday. So you can go first and which, you know, which team you want to start with, any of the four, because we can go forever about any of these teams. Yeah, I mean, I think we just – I think we get right into the Giants, like you said, and you just the NFC East, like – it, it, there was a stat that, what, not one NFC East team beat a team that had an above 500 record. And then the Giants come in with their backup, Colt McCoy, and they, they handle Seattle pretty well. And then you have uh, Washington get the biggest win with a team that is undefeated. So, I mean, we could stay on the Giants first. And, again, we've been saying for a while that their defense is legit. Like, they, they are a definitely a top, like, conference-leading defense or even NFL leading defense. And then it's inspiring because now you basically have to just at the, as the years progress, just build that offense up, keep the defense intact the best way you can financially, and then just build up that offense any way you can. And then you're going to have a potentially Super Bowl caliber team, not just playoffs, not just NFC East, Super Bowl caliber in my eyes. Yeah. The, the defense has really stepped up. They've kept the Giants in every single game this whole season, except for the 49ers game. That mm-hmm. was a complete disaster. I think that was week three. They got destroyed by a 49ers team that had nobody on the field because everyone was either hurt or had covert or whatever it was. But other than that, the Giants defense, especially over this last four game winning streak has been, as you said, you know, top in the NFC, one of the top defenses in the NFC. And that goes to guys like a Logan Ryan or Bradbury or Blake Martinez. All these guys are contributing. They're getting pressure on the quarterback. I don't think I can name, you know, off the top of my head who the edge rusher edge rushers are on the Giants, but they're getting to Russell Wilson mm-hmm. and their secondaries played well. So they're playing con- together as a cohesive unit and they have a lot of confidence and, you know, they shut down Russell Wilson and we talked about it last week. Russell Wilson seems like he was running away with the MVP award through the first four or five weeks. That's really Mm. not the case anymore. Um, The giants defense, they've played well. There's no taking anything away from that, 
but you're still Russell Wilson and you're still one of the top quarterbacks in the league. And to only score 12 points against the Giants, that that's a big red flag to me in terms of the Seahawks, a team that we both said in week one, we expected to go to the Super Bowl. If you're Seattle, you got to panic a little bit because all of a sudden your offense has hit a complete wall. Yeah, I mean, you, you have to kind of look at this. And, and like you said, like you, you school or you let up, say, what, 15 points or 17 points to, to the Giants and you couldn't get a win with with your offense. It, it, it is slightly alarming, I guess we could say. But I think I want to lean more on the side of that. The Giants defense is just that good. Like they're absolutely just that legit. And then, like you're talking about their edge rushers before. I mean, you look at Leonard Williams, who was a guy that they traded for yeah. and then they gave him the franchise tag that was like 17 million. And I was the first person I was like, oh, that's, that's a shit ton of money. It's not worth it. Now uh, he's going to be 26 years old. He, he's about to cash out right now. Mm-hmm. Like, he's about to get a, an extension from the Giants. I would assume that's going to be three, four years. And he's going to be looking at 17 plus, 18 plus million a year. So it, it, he's earned it. And now this is where the GM and, and Gettleman has to step up and, and understand that, hey, listen, like, what am I going to do? because this defense is legit and this defense is winning us games right now. But how, how am I going to tackle this financially? Because, again, you, you don't want to end up like the Eagles, as we've seen with Wentz, and just throw money, all of it, into one person. You have to kind of game plan for the next year, two years, three years, stuff like that. All right, look at the draft. Maybe there's a bunch of good edge rushers in the draft. that Hey, maybe I don't need to uh, sign him, stuff like that. But, I mean, just like and going with, uh, back to Seattle, they just they we, we kind of said they were pretenders again a little bit as, as the weeks progressed these past few weeks and it just it, they keep solidifying it for us that this team is not a team that I don't think is going to have much success in the playoffs at all let alone going on a run to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm glad you talked about Leonard Williams because it completely slipped my mind. Mm-hmm. Rushers on the Giants, not good on my part, but I digress. Um, yeah, he was great. I mean, he was kind of casted aside by the Jets, and yeah. the Giants bring him in. And something just clicks. Now you can say that's something on the Giants. You can say that's something on the Jets. I'm sure everyone has an opinion. But it all starts in football, both offensively and defensively, on the line. And both the offensive line and the defensive line for the Giants has been really good in recent weeks. Mm -hmm. They won a game with Colt McCoy as their starting quarterback. And I was watching this game, and I was thinking to myself, wow, Eli Manning played every single game ever, right? In his career, like other than getting benched for Geno and then eventually getting, you know, benched for um, Daniel Jones that kind of ended mm-hmm. Eli's career. We saw Eli every single day. And now we're seeing someone who's not Eli Manning and not, or Daniel Jones and Colt McCoy mm-hmm. and in a big game that they needed to win for playoff implications. So that was the first time I was like, not happy with who their quarterback was in terms of a game that they needed to win. And the Giants offensive line stepped up. Um, Wayne Gallman, Alfred Morris, they were able to run up and down Seattle's defense on the Mm -hmm. defensive side. Russell Wilson was running for his life the entire game and the Seahawks running game wasn't able to get going at all. So the giants, their lines have been this, uh, this area of concern for so many years. And as of right now, the last month or so they've really stepped up in a big way. And that's why they're in first place in the division. Yeah, I mean, you look at you, – you shout out uh, Morris and Goldman, 190 rushing yards for mm-hmm. the Giants. And again, that, that's without Saquon. And we, we don't need to get into that because we both mm-hmm. have our feelings there. We can touch upon that on a later date. But 
giving credit where credit's due. It starts with the line, definitely, and then you have the running backs who can hit the holes. I mean, 190 rushing yards, that's that's borderline elite. And then you look at, uh, I mean, holding Seattle and, and Russell Wilson to only 216 passing yards, like that's, that's, that's pretty awesome to do right there, like you said. Uh, Seattle only scored 12 points, and two of those were off the the block punt safety anyway. I mean, they they uh, they they uh, stripped Russell Wilson or someone else. They had a fumble recovered, and then uh, Russell Wilson threw a pick too. So I mean, you make him turn the ball over twice. That's something that Russell Wilson doesn't really do too much. That the Giants and their whole team is kind of uh, uh, letting them do. And then, like you said, it definitely starts with the D line, but also it's nice to see that the contracts that you're paying to Bradbury and then you brought in traded for Jabril and then Xavier McKinney, who are the more of the coverage guys and Logan Ryan are now they're doing their part and they're allowing to, to they're covering the wide receivers a little bit longer to allow the D line to pursue the quarterback. So they both kind of are working cohesive and that's what you like to see. You, nothing is worse than when you say, Oh, we have this awesome uh, defensive line, but then your cornerbacks can't cover. That's kind of what you're seeing yeah. in Dallas and then vice versa and stuff like that. So they have a, pretty complete defense right now and it's you got to be excited as a Giants fan and what's really exciting to watch as a Giants fan in terms of their defense there's no superstar on the Giants defense they don't have a Cleo Mack they don't have a JJ mm. Watt they don't have you know um an Alvin like Kamara they don't have uh, he's whatever whatever I'm I get what you, mean. Yeah. you know what I mean I don't know yeah. why I said that anyway they don't have that top flight corner they don't have that like top mm. flight pass rusher but they're all playing well I can't mm. believe I said Alvin. I'm just, I'm, I'm out of it today. It <laughs> okay. hasn't been my day today. So I apologize for that. Um, but, you know, they don't have that big superstar defensive player and they're still playing so well. And mm. I think that's a testament to Joe Judge. I think Joe mm-hmm. Judge has come in and their players, maybe they're very young and they're very inexperienced in terms of winning football games. They've bought into the system that Joe Judge is, is preaching to them and it's shown. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, they sneak into the playoffs and they finish seven and nine, eight and eight. This is a real good foundation for what Joe judge and what Dave Gettleman and what John Mara want for the next five to 10 years with this team. This is not like the finished product of the giants, but this is a really, really good start. And I'm sure you can relate to this as a dolphin fan. This is not Mm -hmm. the finished product of the dolphins, but the giants, if you asked me which team in the division, the NFC East is better set up for long-term success it would probably be the giants, even if mm-hmm. they lose the division to Washington, you know, Alex Smith probably isn't the long-term answer in Washington and neither is mm-hmm. Dwayne Haskins. It seems. So they have questions to answer. Um, Philadelphia, they, we don't know who their quarterback's going to be anymore. Yeah. And then Dallas, they have to sign Dak to that massive extension. And they were far from a perfect team when he was healthy and playing. So in terms of the future, even if the giants don't win the division here, and obviously I'd like them to, as a giants fan, setting up for the next you know 10 years this team is probably has the brightest future in the division yeah i mean even breaking that down a little more i mean just say who who would i kind of uh put the most stock in or bet in going into next year it it would be the new york giants like without a doubt i mean like you said washington you have alex smith and again he's doing fine that, but is he your long-term goal? Is he even your quarterback next year? No idea. So they, they might draft a guy. Dallas is going to have to figure out some way to, to, to get the money for Dak because they're already paying guys uh, uh, who they're paying. Like the couple of their linemen, they're obviously paying Zeke. They're paying uh, uh, was it Lawrence on their D-line, something like that. 
whatever. But yeah. either way, they're paying a ton of guys already. And then you already saw the collateral damage that they lost Byron Jones to the Dolphins because they couldn't afford him. And now their, def- their defensive backs are, are terrible. And like you were saying, kind of circling back to the Giants, they have a team that doesn't really have any superstars. But statistically, you have guys who are stepping up and you have guys who are playing equally, if not better than certain other superstars. And that kind of goes into a, a debate that a lot of people have and fans have, and spe- uh, specifically coaches, is this culture versus kind of overall skill. Like a lot of times you want to just get good players, but if there's no culture to buy into and, and, and if they don't gel well together and they don't have good leaders from the coaches, then kind of what's the point? Like you're not really yeah. getting the most out of those, but in my mind, so like I would choose that culture 10 times out of 10 over, all right, well, we have a superstar, but it does nothing if he's not kind of led the right way. Yeah. And you see it all the time in new England where Joe judge is from was under mm-hmm. Bill Belichick and his staff, like Bill Belichick will take Chris Hogan and turn him into a stud receiver. And he does, he never had like Tom Brady never had other than Randy Moss for two or three years, that mm-hmm. stud number one, because the culture of the Patriots was you're going to do your job. That was their motto. Mm-hmm. And you're going to just play well. And that's what they did. Yeah. And now Joe judge has brought that over to the giants. And it's really been the first time we've seen one of bill Belichick's disciples leave the Patriots and to be a head coach and really succeed um, and succeed. Don't forget, I mean, don't, don't forget about Brian Flores. He's, he's a yeah, Patriots guy. Too. Yeah. Brian Flores as well. I mean, Matt Patricia got fired. Yeah, um, failure. Eric Mangini never worked out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that you go down the list, but Joe Judge, despite the early season struggle going 0 and 5, mm-hmm. um, and despite, you know, you know, Brian Flores, you know, getting a new quarterback, a rookie quarterback, and getting him mm-hmm. um acclimated to the NFL, they've really been successful. And I think both yeah. organizations are in pretty good hands with young quarterbacks or with mm-hmm. young head coaches. And that begs the question as we, you know, shift away from the NFC East for a second, because this is just where this is going in my head. Yeah. When Adam Gase gets fired from the Jets because they just fired mm-hmm. the defensive coordinator because of that cover zero on the last play of the yeah. game, which we'll was ridiculous. Would it be better because we're hearing rumblings about Bill Cower coming out of the TV booth to go coach the Jets? Is that the best idea instead of trying to find the next you know, Sean McVay, Brian Flores, Joe Judge kind of guy. Yeah, I mean, it's the 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 good part about the older kind of guys is that you, you kind of know what you're getting. The way I see it is you're you're basically spending I consider equivalent to getting a guy in free agency. You know what you're getting, you're gonna have to spend a little more, and it is what it is, where as getting this new, say a coordinator to make him a head coach, stuff like that, like a Joe Judge, like a Flores you're basically drafting a guy. It's a little more risky and stuff like that. But I think the reward is there tenfold just because, I mean, Coward hasn't coached in 16 years and the game's changed. And I know people want to talk about, oh, well, John Gruden does it. I'm not really sold on Gruden anyway, to mm-hmm. be honest. Like the Raiders are a very hot and cold team. And I think with the Jets and kind of their situation right now, I, I would take a chance on on a younger guy because I, I don't really see a Bill Coward or even – even really uh, a Harbaugh and like coming in and, and laying the law down and really being that perfect fit. And like, basically you're saying that this guy's too good to fail just because of his age and his experience. And I, I don't think that's the case right now, to be honest with them, with the Jets. So I, I would rather go maybe like, again, the Chiefs offensive quarter, Eric uh, Bieniemy, either go, um, I don't think who else, or I mean, honestly, like, we've kind of talked about Dabo Sweeney, but someone who, hasn't been a head coach yet in the NFL. 
yeah. think I would go that that route. And the only problem with that when it comes to the Jets is that they gotta get it right. Like they have to get it if they like mm-hmm. if they go someone like a coordinator who's never been a head coach before and it's not the right decision. You're not only blowing Sam Darnold's career with Adam Gase, then you're going to blow Trevor Lawrence's career with whoever you bring in next. So mm-hmm. that's tough. The Jets are in a yeah. really tough spot or who they decide. Um, I understand why um, they would want a guy like Cower, obviously Super Bowl champion, Hall of Fame head coach, the whole thing. It's safer, yeah. It's a safe bet. But for the Jets and how you know their roster is and how desperate they are to have a successful football team, wouldn't the safer bet be the better decision? Yeah, I mean, it like it, it's just it, it it's like, I don't know. Like, I just feel like like say you get a guy like Coward, and all right, say you go eight wins, maybe you go nine wins max, but you may make the playoffs, you may not. It's like that's not what you're going after. Like I feel like they're in a situation where they're so desperate that they should want to take a risk, like you're yeah. saying, basically. Like I, I like safe to me right now. Adam Gase was a safer pickup. He was a former head coach. He spent three or four years with the Dolphins, and he figured, hey, he's ha- he's got some experience. Maybe he'll he'll figure it out in New York, and he didn't. So they mm-hmm. they tried to do the safe route, and that kind of blew up in their face. So now, try to try to maybe find a, a riskier guy, but in that terms, it basically means just someone who's younger doesn't have that experience. And that, I mean, that's something that people joke about all the time. Is that like? when me and you are looking for jobs and people are saying, Oh, you need 10 years experience. We're like, Oh, well, we're 23, 24 years old. How are we going to get experience if we don't get a job first, if you get what I mean? So yeah, kind of the, the same thought process. And I hate that people use that against new aspiring head coaches, even just people in general in life with jobs and stuff. It's like, Oh, well, you don't have the experience. Well, it's like, well, maybe give me a chance and then I'll get that. You'll be my experience. You kind of got to go through it together. So yeah. We've, we'll, we've we'll really see. been seeing over the last two years, the new guys coming in, the young head coach is really doing well. I mean, mm-hmm. um, McVay went to a Super Bowl. 49ers head coach went to a Super Bowl, right? I mean, obviously, Andy reads the older statement, and he won the Super Bowl, and he has Patrick Mahomes, and he's kind of the mm-hmm. outlier. But I think that's the way the NFL is going now. The younger mm-hmm. um, the younger kind of guy that was a coordinator, kind of inexperienced, because then you get to, the organization gets to mold – the team mm-hmm. after what he wants and that's what's happening in new york and in miami so mm-hmm. we're gonna swing back to the nfc east a coach that might be fired at the end of the year is doug peterson mm-hmm. because we talk about it time and time again on the show it seems to be a weekly segment talking about the eagles and what they're going to do they finally pulled the plug on carson yeah. wentz and we watched the packers eagles game uh, i was flipping back and forth between that and the giants because obviously I was both games were important Mm -hmm. in terms of the NFC East landscape. It was ugly watching Carson Wentz play football. Like Mm -hmm. it seems to get worse and worse every single game. And Doug Peterson couldn't deny it anymore. And he puts in Jalen hurts. And as I feel like everyone expected Jalen hurts, didn't come back and win the football game, but he did provide the Eagles some sort of a spark. So now Mm -hmm. Jalen hurts is going to start this week. Is it too little too late for the Eagles and Doug Peterson, or does Jalen Hurts now have an opportunity to get the Eagles back in the division? No, I mean, I think they definitely have a chance to climb back in the division just because they still have that tie, which is, again, if they if they end up kind of creeping up a little bit, that's going to be what's going to get them over the hump, potentially over a Washington or, or the Giants. Uh, 
I, yeah, I think they have the potential to. Will they? I, I don't think so. But going back to also what you asked, I think this 100% saves Peterson's job. I think if he stuck with Wentz throughout the whole season and they didn't make, and even if they, they did make the playoffs but had like say five or six wins, that, that wasn't doing you anything because any other year you're, you're not making the playoffs and you're honestly a top 10 draft pick. So, I, and he, he had a comment I saw on Twitter. It was kind of like infuriating because he was like, oh, like he got asked basically, how are you going to like help Jalen Hurts out? And they were like, oh, well, we're going to try to get him going in the screen game, establish the run, do some quicker passes, just kind of get him acclimated to everything. And it, it makes you wonder, it's like if Carson Wentz was struggling so much doing what they were doing, why didn't they change the game plan for him? I know he's not a rookie, and I know they kind of expected more, but that to me seemed like a bonehead move by a coach and then basically didn't put him in, Wentz into a situation to be successful. I mean, you have to know the limitations of not, not obviously Carson Wentz because he's a very good football player, but just of your team. Like if you don't have guys who can burn it down the field, why are we sending them on go routes every single play, if you get what I mean? So yeah. he, he kind of he's clicking all the buttons right now and saying all the right things, Peterson, to keep his job. But I do still think that the Eagles management has a pretty interesting decision because it, now that you do have a new coach, a new uh, quarterback, maybe you want a new coach to kind of groom him. Yeah, I wonder if this is uh, – I can see them bringing back Peterson, especially if uh, Hurts plays well and gives mm-hmm. the Eagles some sort of you know relevancy down the stretch and they win a yeah. couple games, even if they don't make the playoffs. If Hurts does semi-well, I can see mm-hmm. Peterson be back. The question now is Wentz because Wentz – is was terrible in green bay yeah and reports after before the game were like his confidence is shot and his confidence was shot the second they took hurts and they said they wouldn't admit that but jay glazer said that's basically what happened and my response to that is i mean come on you're a professional athlete like you can't be you can't your your feelings can't get hurt that easily that they took a quarterback in the second round so that's Mm -hmm. Um, that's something that's that Wentz has to deal with and has to answer for. And if I'm a fan of the Eagles, I don't want my quarterback being someone with thin skin because yeah. the quarterback is probably the most, you know, sought after and most criticized athlete in sports is the starting quarterback of an NFL team more than a goalie, more than, more than a starting pitcher. The quarterback mm. is the franchise of, is the organization for any of these NFL teams. And if mine mm gets his feelings hurt because they drafted, they had the audacity to draft another guy, mm-hmm. then you're not the guy. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we can talk about Carson Wentz and what he did four years ago and how great it was and how much money they owe him. But at the end of the day, playing well is one thing, but having the mental capacity to put away any distractions is another. And right now Wentz isn't doing either. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I agree with everything you're saying. And it was awesome that you said that the quarterback is probably the most criticized position. They, they go through the most scrutiny on a day-to-day basis. And, and that's with anything, more than even LeBron with the Lakers. I mean, it's crazy to see what even the quarterback on the worst team in football, it's like they're still going and getting grilled every single day and getting grilled in the media. So it is a, a tough job. But like you said, it, it is their job. And you look at Aaron Rodgers, they drafted Jordan Love in the first round. So mm-hmm. clearly – Matt LaFleur has some kind of reservations to see what life's going to be like without Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers is saying, hell no, that ain't happening. I'm going to be Mm -hmm. an MVP right this year. So for for him to be upset over it, I I think is soft. Like like Rodgers kind of came out and he said, yeah, like it shocked me a little bit. And then he said, after a couple of days, he's like, I'm I'm going to do my thing. And it seems like Wentz 
really has been affected by it. And then that kind of shows the person that, that he is in, in a sense from a, a competitive standpoint that obviously this is a sink or swim kind of situation. And then he's sunk a little bit. And it's nice to see that Jalen Hurts is uh, getting his opportunity right now. I mean, friggin' finally, if they did yeah. it maybe a couple weeks earlier. Maybe they would have uh, actually made the playoffs. But like you said, yeah, you don't you you need guys who are willing to compete. You have to. And that just kind of goes to what we've been talking about a lot, especially with the quarterback position. Like, I'm not a big fan of, all right, here's one guy. And then just it's this is your city. This is your team. This is your franchise. Like, no, like if you see an opportunity to, to get another quarterback and I, I grilled all my friends that are Jets fans, I grilled them prior to this draft. I was like, hey. Like, would you take a quarterback in the first or second round? No, we got Donald. No, we got Donald. Uh, well, look at now. And then I remember right when Philly took Jalen Hurts in the second round, people were like, really? We did that? We did that? I'm like, I'm telling you. I'm like, it makes sense. Even if Wentz it was your guy, this exact situation is why you always got to prepare basically for the worst. You just you never know. And then at the at the most important position in the history of sports, why would you not want insurance plans there? Or why would you not want internal competition to make sure you're getting the best out of whoever is going to win that job? That's just the way I look at it. And there's definitely different situations for that. Like, for example, if you have an older quarterback, then it makes more sense to draft the quarterback. Like it would made mm-hmm. sense for the giants to draft Daniel Jones, despite when, what you think yeah. of Daniel Jones, or especially mm-hmm. at the time, if he was the right guy to pick at six, it was right mm-hmm. for the giants to take a quarterback with Eli Manning at 38 years old. It was. 100%. It made more sense for the for the Packers to take Love at with Rodgers at thirty seven years old than it is now to take uh, Hertz at with Wentz being what twenty eight. How old is Carson yeah. Wentz? And uh, I can look it up. And also right after getting his contract. Yeah, but you know people need to understand that you know this is a business, and you know loyalty is important in sports, I guess, mm-hmm. but not at the not at the expense of winning football games. Like if somebody thinks that Jalen Hurts is going to do a better job winning Philadelphia Eagle games than Carson Wentz is, then you got to pull the plug and you got to draft Jalen Hurts and you have to bench Carson Wentz. And it's a tough business. It's a tough thing to do. And you know, you're going to, you're going to piss the quarterback off, but that happens and you got to move on. Alex Smith, it's happened to twice. Mm-hmm. Went, he was on the 49ers and he got benched for Kaepernick when he got hurt, never played again. And then he got benched for Mahomes in Kansas City, went on to Washington, happened to him three times. And then yeah. he got benched for Haskins and now he's back. So, yeah. like, this is the way it is in the NFL, especially yeah. at the quarterback level. Somebody's going to be gunning for your job at all times and it should never be safe. Yeah. Unless, I mean, you're, I- unless you're Patrick Mahomes, unless you're Tom Brady or Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. But, mm. you know, there's going to be a point in time in all of those careers where it's going to happen to them. Yeah. And, and again, that's that's just life. There's always going to be some someone kind of younger. And like you said, someone coming for your job. And that, to me, is the best thing about sports. And that brings out the best in people. Like if, if I'm I always I kind of use this analogy, just like with coaching, just baseball. And I think about, all right, if I go work out alone. I can get a good workout in. Like I, I, you tell me to go, I'll go run. I'm going to go run, touch the pole and come back, do a sprint, whatever. It'll be, it'll be good just because I'm pushing myself. But if a coach says, Hey, Matt and Glenn go run and, and, and sprint to touch that pole. Now we're competing against each other. You're going to get a little more out of each other. That That's just complete human nature because 
Now we're competing to say, all right, who's going to be better? Who's going to be better? Who's going to be faster here? It's the same thing in football. You, you need competition, especially when you have these, these younger guys. Like, like you have these younger players. Like you need to get every ounce of potential out of them. And the only way to do that to me is obviously good coaching, but with good coaching are people who bring in competition. And I think, again, this move for the Eagles – could save the franchise because imagine they didn't have Hurts and they had to go through Wentz this year. Then they had to go through Wentz the next year. And then maybe Wentz the year after that. And, and if things trend, how they look like they're trending with Wentz, you'd be like, Holy shit. Like this is the worst franchise ever. Like they went yeah. from Super Bowl winners to what four five, six straight years. It would have been of just mediocrity. So yeah. th- this could be a, one of the most important and honestly, one of the best GM decisions in the last five years. Yeah. Well, first of all, you're definitely faster than me, so you'll definitely win that race <laughs> to the pole. So, but I'm still going to try and my feelings aren't going to get hurt. That's the whole point. Yeah. So, you, Carson Wentz, I I he, he, it's a lost year for him. He needs to mm. do some real soul searching during yeah. the summer cuz he's not going anywhere. No, no nobody's taking can. that nobody's taking that money from Philadelphia. No. So, it's either Carson Wentz, you know, gets his ass, gets his act together gets his ass out of bed and works hard and becomes a better football player through the offseason. Yeah. Or he's going to be the highest paid backup quarterback ever, and that's going to be his legacy. So he's come to a crossroads in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about the the Washington football team. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Broke my heart. I was so angry. Yeah. Because the mm. Giants won, and it was a game that the Giants, I didn't think they'd win. I don't think anyone yeah. thought they'd win. Not I think they, McCoy. I think it was a four. I saw on Sports Center like a fourteen percent chance that the Giants had to win that game, and they did. Mm-hmm. So I was like, they won the game. I don't know if you felt like this, but I felt like this. I was like, the division's over. The Giants won the NFC East. Like that was kind of like my. That's kind of like how I thought for a second because yeah. I was like, Dallas mm-hmm. isn't winning any more games, and Philadelphia mm-hmm. is a train wreck. So and then Washington's playing Pittsburgh, who's undefeated. There, there's mm-hmm. no way. And yeah. then you know, obviously, it doesn't work out for me, and Washington wins. And now the Giants and the football team are tied with four games to go. Giants have the tiebreaker due to beating them twice. Mm-hmm. Just it, It's just a shocking game in terms of, you know, how it went down. Pittsburgh went up to a 14-0 lead. There was that whole clock controversy at the end of the half that gave Washington those three points. And yeah. then they, you know, they uh, mounted the comeback in the second half. Um, we talked last week about the Steelers and how, you know, they're getting disrespected because they were 11 now and nobody ever, nobody really thought of them as championship teams mm-hmm. and those people that are championship team. And then the people who were saying that last week kind of were proven right because a lot of flaws on this Pittsburgh team to lose to Washington, especially after being up by two touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, I like, like you said at the beginning of the podcast, everything we seem to say, it goes the opposite. We were giving the Steelers so much credit, saying everyone who said they're they're uh, they're frauds is wrong, and then they come out and they again. I know Washington earned it a little bit, but I mean, offensively, it only put up seventeen points. I mean, I, there there something weird was going on there. Like like Chase Claypool, one of your better offensive players, probably your best wide receiver, was on the field for like 10, 11 plays. So like I don't know if maybe that was an injury thing or or what it was, but they just they just couldn't get anything going, and then. Obviously, the Steelers have kind of done a little bit of it or changed their scheme a little bit where it's a lot more quick passes, get the ball out of uh, Roethlisberger's hands, which then kind of sets up the pump fake and go that he seems to do every five plays. But Washington just wasn't biting on anything. And every single uh, every single drive, it seemed like they would get 
two yards, two yards. Then it would be like a third and six, and maybe to get the first down, or maybe they wouldn't, and they would just complete a pass like right before the sticks. It was just a very kind of eye-opening game, I think, for a lot of fans. And obviously the question remains, all right, who's winning the Super Bowl now, the Chiefs or the Steelers? And I think it's the Chiefs unanimously. Yeah, and the Chiefs have, I think, I'm pretty sure, I don't know how the time break is. Like, we're going to look at the simulator, so we'll see in two yeah. seconds. I'm sure that, I'm th- I think the Chiefs got the one seed at this point now. With the no, I, I think I think there's still two, technically, because really? it goes it goes to, yeah, because it goes to uh, conference wins. Okay. And the Chiefs losses to the Raiders, who's in the AFC, and the uh, Steelers losses to Washington, okay. who's the NFC. Yeah, but I, I, regardless, with we, what we learned in this game is that the Steelers aren't perfect, obviously. Mm-hmm. They just lost, and they lost their first yeah. game of the year. And they have a lot of things that they need to, I guess, tie up before they get to the playoffs. Yeah, Losing to Washington, I feel for Pittsburgh, might be a blessing in disguise because they kind of were mm-hmm. riding high a little bit. If you wanted to lose, get it out of the way now with four weeks left in the regular season, figure out why you lost to Washington, which is a team that you shouldn't be losing to, especially mm-hmm. at home, and, you know, move on. I think one of the big reasons why, you know, I think New England lost that 16-0 season to the Giants in the Super Bowl is because, as crazy it might sound, they didn't lose in the regular season. I think yeah. sometimes you need to lose the battle to win the war. And I think mm-hmm. if anybody is going to turn the Steelers around, they don't need to do a full 180. I mean, they were 11 and 0. They're 11 and 1 now. They're going to be fine. They're going to win the division, all that. Mike Tomlin's going to figure it out. Mike Tomlin's yeah. going to figure out what's wrong with this team right now and they're going to adjust. So I think this loss can actually be a good thing for Pittsburgh. Um obviously a great thing for Washington, got them right back into the division. But I think I still think the people who are canceling the Steelers, the people who the last few weeks have said this is the worst undefeated team of all time, mm-hmm. I think I I still think that's a little too, uh, that's yeah. a little far. That's a little dramatic. I think this is a really good Pittsburgh team. Do I think they're better than Kansas City? No, I don't. But mm-hmm. you know, I don't think this is the. They're Pittsburgh's going to fall off a ledge now because they're too good. Yeah, and what, what's what's going to be good for them to see? All right, what are they made out of? Face a little adversity. You lost to Washington at home, like you said. All right, now you got you have to go and play the Bills in Buffalo. So that'll be a really good game for them mm-hmm. to and see what they're made of. I mean, they're playing. Uh, so they're the Sunday night game. That's a huge game for both teams because because then they also then they play the Bengals, which we're going to assume that's a win. And they play the Colts and Browns, who are two very good teams and playoff teams right now. So the Steelers kind of uh, final four games here uh, of the back end of the season are pretty hard. I mean, mm-hmm. if you have three out of those four games are against playoff teams. So you're really going to have to show out or, or else you may see the Browns maybe even sweep in and take the division. How crazy would that be? Yeah, I mean, I hope not because that means the Browns would beat the Giants, which I don't want to happen. Yeah, that game got flexed. I saw that amazingly. So yeah. it's gonna be the first time the Giants are in Sunday night since Week Two of 2018. So that's nice. Awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, Pittsburgh—they definitely have some flaws that they need to figure out. But again, I don't think this is the end of the world for them. They still got yeah. the quarterback. They still got the head coach. Um, but you're He's right. Still awesome. The yeah. bill there. They play the bills, right? They play the Browns. They play Indian. Those are all teams you're going to see in November. In if, play, you wanna, yeah. if you want to, if you want to get to the Super Bowl, you have to beat at least two of the, like one or two of those teams and then beat Kansas city. So yeah. it's a good litmus test for, for Pittsburgh on Washington's side, just a little rapid fire. Mm-hmm. 
what do you think, how do you think this division plays out? Do you think that this Washington win kind of catapults them as the favorite or do you still think the giants with the tiebreaker are the favorite? I mean, I still want to say I want to lean towards, uh, towards the giants, but then again, it's like, you look at, all right, so Washington's got the Niners. They got the Seahawks or the giants just beat, obviously. Then you have Carolina and the Eagles. It's like, they don't really have the hardest last four games either. So, I, I mean, mean, they can win those games, but they could also lose those games. Like, I wouldn't be shocked either. Yeah, way. no, yeah, they're yeah, they're not easy games, but they're not uh, they're not hard games either. I mean, and that's the, kind of the same thing with the Giants. Like, I could foresee both teams kind of going two and two. Who they yeah. beat, I don't know, but just you kind of see both teams going two and two, and then obviously, like you said, the Giants have the tiebreaker. The Giants have Arizona, Cleveland, um, Ravens, Baltimore, and then Dallas. Dallas. So. Both, both these schedules, they're hard, but also mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they won those games. So yeah, going down, it's going down to the wire, and I this is good for this football. This is what you want. Yeah. Because if the Redskins – if Washington would have lost, then the Giants could have just backed their way in. They could have gone one and three and probably still wouldn't have won the division. Now the Giants and, and, the Giants and Washington – and you can still talk about the Eagles if you want to. Dallas mm-hmm. is not winning anything. They, they got to win. They got to win these yeah. games. So it's going to force mm-hmm. these NFC East teams that everyone was making fun of early in the year to be competitive. hundred percent. Absolutely. hundred percent. Like you said, someone's going to have to earn it. Like you're, no one, it's not going to be given to anybody. You're not going to see a team go six and six and 10 and then win the division. You're going to have a team going in that they're going to earn it. And they're going to be going to the playoffs with some steam. And I mean, you could say if you face a Giants team that ends up eight and eight, meaning they, they won what six of their last like seven games or whatever it uh, mathematically makes sense there. That's a team that I probably don't want to play first round of the playoffs. Yeah. I wouldn't want to play giants or Washington in the first rounds after what they just did beating Seattle yeah. and Pittsburgh. Nobody thought they'd win those games. So yeah, I don't think I, I wouldn't be wise if the Buccaneers or the Rams or whoever, whoever it ends up being, overlooks mm-hmm. the NFC East team. I think that's a really dangerous thing because we've seen it before. We saw the mm-hmm. Seahawks do it to the Saints with that Marshawn Lynch game. We've yeah. seen it. Like it's happened before. I'm with you. Um, let's let's go to the Dolphins. Took them a little bit. A little bit. Took them a little bit to get going. They want they had to, I guess, ease themselves into it, but mm-hmm. they got the job done. And that's all you can ask for at this point. Eight and yeah. three, really pushing for that uh wild one of the wild card spots. The division is still there. It's on the outside looking in for the division, but yeah. I, you'll take the wild card. Of course, you'd want the home game, but you'll mm-hmm. take the wild card. And they took another step forward in that this week. Yeah, I mean, like you said, the first half they were down seven six, and was like, "Oh my god, what's going on with the offense?" People are like, "Oh my, are, are we benching two again? Are we going with Fitz?" And I, and I, luckily, Flores came out and was like, "That was never a thought in my mind." Dolphins Twitter is just the most like toxic thing right now because we're not used to success, and now we're seeing a little bit of it. But You're like, what do I do with this? I don't know. Yeah. What's going uh, on. It, we were talking to stick just before we, we hopped on here and the first half, they, they really couldn't get anything going. And, and it wasn't even necessarily to his fault. Like the run game w- wasn't really doing too well. Luckily uh, our defense is really good. And they uh, forced a pick a- in that first half, which was awesome. But what was really interesting to see is obviously everybody kind of saw the fights and stuff like that. So you had Xavier Howard, he got kicked out in like the second quarter and then in the either start of the fourth or end of the third, you had two of their wide receivers get thrown out too. One of them being Devontae Parker, uh, our best wide receiver. So it was like, holy shit, like who the hell is going to be playing football? And to see them really not miss a beat 
was pretty awesome to see. I mean, the third quarter alone, Tua was like 11 for 13 for like 135 yards and a touchdown. That's just in one quarter. And you space that out throughout a whole game. Like that's a good enough whole game. So you're seeing him progress and you're seeing him get comfortable, not only with his teammates, but you're seeing him get comfortable with the offensive coordinator. And the biggest thing I think with, with his success was they ran a lot of no huddle and a lot of uh, spread empty sets or no running back like kind of four or five uh, receiver set. And he just, he did what he did at Alabama, just uh, dissected the play quickly, get it out of his hands quick, and then let the guys kind of do the work for you. Like, you don't always need that insane, like bomb scramble out play because those plays a lot of times don't work out in your favor. Those are usually usually uh, a five, 10 yard sack or a pick. So it was awesome to see them adjust. And obviously defensively too, they, I, I know it's the Bengals. I get that, but, Good teams got to be bad teams. It's just part of it. They held, uh, they held the Bengals to under 200 yards, 196 yards, which anytime you do that is awesome. Only seven points, and they and 70 of those yards were on one play. It was on one long touchdown to Tyler Boyd, and then you had uh, you uh, you uh, p- uh, picked picked off uh, the Bengals twice, and then you had six sacks. So I mean, anytime you do that, that, that that's that's awesome. That's absolutely awesome, it. and that's I mean, it's awesome to see that. And similar with the Giants, that your offense doesn't need to go out there and score you forty points or even thirty points. Like you, you can have the belief that hey, even if we're down, say ten, odds are that's the only ten the other team is getting the whole game because our defense is that good and they can keep us in game. So it's very very similar with the Giants and the Dolphins that they're playing complementary football. And if one phase is kind of faltering a little bit, the other two phases are going to help them out. I think you make a good, you got to beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. And they yeah. missed an opportunity a few weeks ago. Who they lose? They, Denver. Denver. They lost to Denver. Yeah. And that was, that was a blow, right? That kind of put them, bit, yeah. that, that kind of put the division on hold for a little bit. And that kind of mm-hmm. put, you know, Buffalo in the, in like the driver's seat for the AFC East, but it didn't knock them out of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It's good growth for the Dolphins that, they're able to beat a team like the Bengals. It's nothing to write home about. The Bengals mm-hmm. are a bad team. They lost Burrow for the entire year. Kind of, you know, pretty good timing for the Dolphins and the Giants, both of them, that yeah. Burrow ended up unfortunately getting hurt when they were about to play them. But, mm-hmm. you know, a win's a win. And a, that is yeah. a win that the, the Dolphins didn't get two weeks ago when they should have. So that's mm-hmm. something that, you know, should be taken as some sort of, you know, reward for yeah. the constant week-by-week improvement of the Dolphins. And I think the Giants and Dolphins are very similar organizations in terms of what we're expecting from them. Yeah. Obviously, the Dolphins are 8-4, and four, and they could have a double-digit win season, and that's something that every team signs up for. And when you're in the double digits, like you're expecting more in January than what, I guess, the Giants were would, would be yeah. this year. But, you know, they're both in year, I guess, one of this brand-new era of football. And said, yeah. the next five years for both these franchises are going to be better than this year, hopefully. Mm-hmm. So I think both of them, this th- this whole season for both of these teams are learning experiences, regardless mm-hmm. of whether they make the playoffs or win a playoff game or not. Yeah, I mean, and like you said, and we kind of talked about our, our expectations for our teams and kind of managing them. And it's weird because now that we're seeing success, we have a tendency to then keep raising our expectations, which sometimes is good, but sometimes it kind of, you have to back yourself down a little bit because, all right, like going into the season, I thought the Dolphins were no doubt. I said they should be an eight and eight team. They already have those eight wins. 
you easily could lose four games. And honestly, it, it wouldn't even be anything to like kind of uh, hang your head on because you're playing four really good teams. I mean, obviously, no one wants to end the season losing four games, but the teams you're playing are all in that playoff playoff hunt. I mean, you play the Bills, you're playing the Chiefs, you're playing the Raiders, then you're playing the Patriots, who defensively right now are showing that, hey, they're no joke either. So they they're have, hanging around. They're not done. That's a hundred percent too. So the, the AFC East was a little bit of a, not a pipe dream, but it, it was almost in our grasp in, in a sense, but I think it's slowly slipping away, but who knows? You're going to have to either shock the world against the chiefs or, but, or you're probably going to have to go at least three and one the, uh, the rest of the way. And you're going to need a lot of help from the bills to, to lose, to, to get that, uh, to get the AFC East. But that's not really, again, that wasn't really in my expectation this year, but now that it is kind of close, I still have to not be, oh, oh we didn't win the AFC. It's like, shit, we suck. Like, no, you have to understand how the whole season progressed. And that, that stuff we can talk about once the season ends. But hopefully the season continues on uh, for both of us, both of our teams, a little longer than just the 16 games were promised. Yeah, and the Dolphins, they got hurt by the Ravens winning. That could have helped if Dallas would have found a way to win that game. Um, obviously, the Colts are still in that kind of wild card um, situation, and as are the other teams blanking on me. What? Well, well, I mean, I'll, I'll real quick, I'll, I'll get into that. So, literally, I had Everybody. this is probably this is probably the worst week I've ever had watching football because now you unfortunately have to start rooting for other teams to do bad, and you start looking. All right, I need this team to lose. I need this team to lose. And then literally the Raiders won on that last second heave, which sucked. And you could have had a nice two game cushion. I mean, the, the Ravens won two. That sucked for us. Even more specifically, the, the Titans beating the Browns would have been a little bit better for us, but that didn't matter uh, as much. The Texans literally had the ball on like the three yard line. And then they were up six and they botched the snap to Indy. So that easily could have been a win. That would have been absolutely monumental for us. So, Literally everything, and then obviously the Bills, the Bills won as well. So everything we needed to happen to help us, not again, nothing was guaranteed, didn't happen. So this was this was like a very shitty experience as a Dolphin fan right now because it seems like even though we went one and zero on the week, it felt like we went one and four, one and five. Yeah, and we're back at the playoff machine, which really segues perfectly into what you were just saying, just how things have mm. you know percolated since week 13 because when we did week 13 last week everything was wrong right mm -hmm. so we have to completely restart what we're doing here so right now it would be buffalo miami in the three six and then the giants mm -hmm. would be playing at home against seattle who they just beat at four five so let's run through this again because why not at this point yeah um the patriots who we said are not done let's no, give them not at all Oh, that's a tough game against the Rams too. This can that, go again. That, that'll be that'll be a really good game there. Let's give it to the Rams, the home team. This is not happening for you. I'm sorry. This game, I don't think this game matters. I know Dallas is still somewhat in, but we'll just give yeah, it. You're, to them you're more. Yeah, you're more. more I trust Dalton more Washington. than whoever's under center for Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. uh, this, oh yeah, easily. We're gonna go to this later. The Bears need that game. Um, this doesn't matter. Let's say Tampa wins that. This is a big game. We'll hold off this for a second. This is going to be the Jets are going to lose. 
Um, Chargers and Falcons. Let's give it to the Falcons. This is Saints Eagles. Saints going to win this. Green Bay is going to beat Detroit. We'll save this for later. Let's say we can save this for later as well. And then this is another good one. So here we got a few major matchups that will determine playoff implications. So we got Giants, Cardinals. We have um, Indy, Oak, uh, Vegas. We have Washington, San Francisco. We have Pittsburgh, Buffalo, and we have Baltimore, Cleveland. Which one catches your eye first? I think that that Pitt Buffalo game. I think because that, that that those are two, obviously uh, of the top dogs in the AFC. That that one really stands out to me. Because if Buffalo wins, then you're panicking if you're Pittsburgh because that's two straight losses. Everyone's gonna be like, "What's going on?" You also lose mm-hmm. the one seed. Yeah, you're, and you're, then you're you, losing that bye. And then you go to the two, and then look at you right there. Yeah, that would be nice. So let's do that. Let's give, and then Cleveland. Let's say they gain another game, right? Yeah, because even though, even though, even though Baltimore beat Dallas, they're still far from, you know, out of the woods in terms of mm-hmm. you know what they've gone through this season. So all of a sudden, that gives Cleveland ten and three to eleven and two. That changes everything. Now it's a race. Here we got Indianapolis in the sixth seed right now. Give it to Oakland. That changes. So that determines one of the wild cards here. Mm. So I don't know. My screen. I don't know if it is on yours. It, like it isn't. I see your mouse moving, mm-hmm. but it, it's you're clicking over. I'm assuming the teams, but on the screen, like the sharing thing, it's right. not like updating. Like it's not showing us live. But I can I see your know. mouse moving. I don't know. So why nothing's that changing. Is. No, like I, I just I I, I kind of could guess where your mouse was going and wh- where the teams are. Oh, that's lame. A little bit, yeah. I was, I was getting oh. lucky. Well, then I guess it's not working. I don't want to do that to you. It's working on mine. So I'll try to yeah, do this through. I'll, I'll try to be as specific as I can. So I gave that's Vegas fine. the win. <laughs> yeah. And that gave them the six seed against mm-hmm. the three seed, which would be Buffalo. Let's see. Let's see. Let's say Washington beats San Francisco. Giants lose to Arizona. And then all of a sudden, that gives Washington. I mean, it's getting more and more clear. We'll just do week 14 this week because I don't want to go into That's 14, fine, yeah. 16, 17. Um, but, yeah, there's so many games that, you know, one game changes the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, at least I like, know for, for the AFC side. I have right here, Matt, if Minnesota beats Tampa, yeah, Tampa's out of the playoffs altogether. That's crazy. Which would be crazy. That's absurd. And that, that's something that we, we, we wrote them in as a second seed. Yeah, and if the Giants would beat Arizona, then that put Tampa Bay in the seventh seed. But if the Arizona yeah. wins, beats mm-hmm. the Giants, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers lose to Minnesota, then they're out. Yeah, That's... I mean, uh, on the on the AFC side, I know like seven out of the eight teams that are kind of in contention all play each other this week alone. So you're going to see a, a, a ton of shakeup. It's, it's yeah. going to be really, really interesting and it's exciting because now this is where stuff matters this is where you start having to like i said you got to root for teams to lose and you got to see maybe do i get help here am i not getting help here and it's just mm-hmm. it, it really is tough and you, you have to handle obviously your own business first that's the most important thing you got to win the games on your schedule you can't if you're relying on other people to get you into the playoffs then you don't deserve it i and that's something that, that's a good point too that i was kind of thinking about and obviously dealing with myself as a dolphin fan is like as much as I, I I need all this help and I want all this help, it's like 
if we win the games we're supposed to and say we finish three and one and we don't make it, it's like we, we did what we needed to do. We just didn't get the help from the other teams. I can live with that. Yeah. But what what I can't live with is if everything, because this has happened before, if, every, if we get to week 17 and everything we need to happen happens and then we don't handle our own game, I would be pissed. That that's yeah. the worst case, case scenario right there. It's December football. And it's the best month for football. Mm-hmm. So obviously starting tomorrow, we're going to see a whole bunch of action. That's going to determine who makes the playoffs and who doesn't. We're going to the, get to the jets real quick. Real yes. Quick. The jets. Yes. Just that yes. whole, the whole oh, firing uh, the coach. I, yeah, I mean, Greg Williams. Greg Williams firing Greg Williams. I remember watching it live and I, people are forgetting they had the touchdown to play before as well. Mm-hmm. Like they had, I forget who it was on the post. And then obviously they had the one down the sideline on the, on the cover zero. But like, what do you think? I think I texted you and Garrett immediately. I'm like, what play call is that defensively? And then yeah. like some people, it was so bad that people speculated that they did it on purpose to lose intentionally. I, and and again, I that that is me to a T right there. Like that is one hundred percent a war tanking play call, and obviously like, it, that wasn't what it was because Greg Williams obviously lost his job. But it's like I, I even like in Gay said he's like I wish I would have like kind of called timeout and said hey like like this is what we're doing. And like you had Marcus May who was like listen like I know the coach is going to call his game, but he's like you got to help us out. And Adam Schefter posted something and he talked about that specific play against the Raiders. And it says there were 252 pass plays meeting the criteria in the last 15 season, the criteria being final 15 seconds of the game down four to eight points, and then 40 plus yards to the end zone. So they were the first defense to send six plus pass rushers in this situation. I mean, just, just an absolute bonehead play, but you know what, you know, Greg Williams, it's his fault. He made the call and he got 100%. fired and he deserved to be fired. There's, how many other people on the sideline? There's like up to 70 people on the side. Not one of them can call a timeout. Nobody on the defense can call a timeout and say, hey, this is not what we're supposed to be doing. Like, were they just blindly – they have this blind faith in Greg Williams that they didn't call, call a timeout and be like, are you sure that's what you want them to do? Like, if you're playing baseball, right, mm-hmm. and you get – let's say you get a bunt sign and you're like, mm-hmm. Really? And you're going to call time. You're going to go up to your coach and like, are you sure you want me to bunt? Like, is that's kind of the situation that I thought that they were in. Yeah. Like, no, there was no cooler head that prevailed. And you know what? It's on Gates too. They say yeah. he's like the offensive guy, but you're the head coach. You oversee mm-hmm. everything. You're not the offensive coordinator. So mm-hmm. he hears the play in the headset as the head coach. He knows what mm-hmm. play is coming. How can you not call the timeout? How, everybody knew that play was stupid. I mean, and I know uh, Dan Orlovsky put up a little thing and said, like, this is just what Greg Williams does in those situations. He's like to bring the house. And like, listen, I, I get that. Obviously, you're hoping for uh, a right away instant uh, uh, sack there. But you also you have to factor in, all right, who are the wide receivers that the Raiders have? And you have Henry Ruggs, who's one of the fastest guys. So in basically he's running a 40 yard dash. He's going to beat the cornerback. And you also had a couple younger rookie cornerbacks. Uh, and it's like, like it just it, it made no sense but it, it's kind of funny when you think about it because all right you fired greg williams basically after this bonehead play adam gase ha- has been doing terrible the whole year but you keep him so it, it, it it's very confusing and again it, it just it keeps kind of putting us in the same position where it's like i think 
uh, Joe Douglas like really loves Adam Gase because if you're firing Greg Williams for his poor performance, how have you not fired Adam Gase? It makes sense not to fire him eight weeks ago in terms of like you want to make sure they get the one seed. Mm-hmm. But in a couple weeks, if like let's say the Jets keep losing, let's say the Jaguars win a game, mm-hmm. and it's like for sure you're getting Lawrence. Oh, like, you yeah, gotta. You gotta yeah, let him like, go before seven week seventeen. Like the yeah. Giants did it with McAdoo. Like mm-hmm. the Giants weren't going anywhere. Everybody knew McAdoo was gone, and they got rid of him. I think in week fifteen. Like you got to do something similar because yeah. at some point you're insulting your fan base, and that's not what yeah. you want to do. Because one day, you know, this will all be over, and we're gonna be mm-hmm. back allowed in MetLife Stadium again. And mm-hmm. what Jet fan is renewing their season tickets if Gase comes back? I, I would. No, I mean it, again, the only person putting asses in seats is going to be Trevor Lawrence, but yeah. it's not. It's not going to be. In, but if in Adam year Gates two, is the coach for Trevor Lawrence, then what hope does games, Trevor yeah. Lawrence has? Like Trevor I'll, Lawrence I'll is not a slam dunk, automatic. I'm saving the franchise guy if Adam mm-hmm. Gates is still there. Yeah, I mean, again, it, it, it it's almost you, we're almost pushing on the on the, the brink of it's unfair the expectations we're putting on Trevor Lawrence. And obviously he's probably the most sought after. And he might go uh, back to school. Who knows? Yeah. He's, he's the most sought after college prospect that we've really seen since like Andrew Luck. But now we're putting these expectations on him to literally save the New York Jets franchise. And it's, it's getting, it's borderline almost going to be unfair for mm-hmm. the situation that he's put in, especially if he has Adam Gase at, at the rain still. He has to be fired immediately, and I think he will get fired. I don't know why Douglas is waiting until end. Of I think he's waiting for that just, one seed. I think you just gotta, yeah. If Jag, if Jets lose the Seahawks and the Jaguars win, whoever they're playing, the Titans. If they beat the Titans and it's a two game lead for Trevor, mm-hmm. I think the seat gets hotter for Adam Gase. But just a nightmare that. Yeah, no, and, I'm and, with you. and and who knows who they're gonna pick, mm-hmm. um, but. You know, they have an opportunity with Lawrence, and if they get it right, they can make this a quick turnaround. This is not a five-year rebuild if they do it correctly. They got a ton of cap yeah. space. Mm-hmm. They got, you know, obviously they're going to have top five, top two pick in the draft. It's not completely over. Obviously, you know, the Bills and Dolphins seem like they're moving up to the upper echelon and it looks like the Patriots are going to take a step back, but that won't be forever because mm-hmm. they'll eventually figure it out. Um, but it's not – a it's not a black hole of nothing for the Jets no, in terms yeah, of their definitely. success in the future. Mm-hmm. I think it can work wow. out. I agree before, there. Before we end, two things I want to talk to you about. One, I saw in your Snap story that it was two but years Miami ago. Miami Miracle. <laughs> yeah. Miami Miracle. So I want to get your thoughts on your on two years later. And mm-hmm. I wanted to quickly talk about the Odell Beckham comments about the Giants. Yes. Good. So let's do Miami Miracle first. Well, I, You want I mean, to reminisce? Yeah. So I mean, so basically, you're down. You're down. I think it was. I think it was. You're down like two. You're down like 34, 30, or something like that. Whatever it was. You're down. You're at the thirty yard line. Your own thirty. So you're seventy yards away from the touchdown. And Bill Belichick decides to put Rob Gronkowski out as basically a deep safety in 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 case there was like a tip deep ball or something like that. Stupid because Ryan Tannehill cannot throw the ball seventy five yards. I don't really think anyone really can. So. Mm-hmm. blunder right there number one they run this play they throw it to uh they throw it to kenny stills who kind of does like a 20 yard in route who then flips it to Devonte parker who's coming down the sideline who then flips it to Kenyon drake 
it looked like it got a little blown up there because it looked like Kenyon Drake was trying to pass it to somebody else too. But he ends up kind of running around, running around. And then obviously the famous line is like, Gronkowski doesn't have the angle. And then you just see uh, Kenyon Drake just sneak in. You see Gronkowski kind of stumble and dive. And I remember watching that. And my first thought was like, you just, you're waiting. flag. Yes, you're waiting for that yellow animation to pop up. And then there wasn't. I'm only getting chilled talking about it. (laughs) Then there wasn't. And then I, I... erupted that was the craziest experience i've ever i've ever had as a fan and then mm-hmm. again that's including the yankees winning the world series but just because that specific moment was absurd i mean yeah, that's so some, unexpected that's some, nobody it, saw it, it never coming. happens you're obviously you're being the patriots the the only unfortunate part about it is that it didn't mean anything because i mean were they in and at the time no not not okay. not really they, they, they didn't do anything it was just like a nice moral victory i guess it's always nice being the patriots but yeah, like, and then two years later, I mean, I, I honestly think there's probably. Has mm, anything come close in the two years since? Like as far as dolphin stuff? Anything, literally anything that's ever happened. No, uh, that level, that level of kind of like, like, I was excited obviously when, when Tua got drafted, but like, I, I, it's different now. I mean, I honestly, I'm trying to think. The like, Tua maybe, draft was a fun, that was a fun Instagram live to be a part of. Yeah, that, that was fun, but that was just like that was more like sigh of relief, excitement, like thank God we just drafted him. But I'm trying to think like even Yankee wise, like like playoff stuff, like nothing, nothing, nothing. really crazy. Like like the only thing I can even compare the Miami Eagle to, or for whatever reason, like Raul Ibanez, is that one game. That was that was a good one. Yeah, but but I mean again, like I said, two years later, I think there's maybe one or two players who are still on the team. So mm-hmm. I mean, we've we've changed drastically since that moment. It's I, it's still we, a fun memory to have. I remember awesome, I, have yeah. a, I have a funny memory about that game. Um, I watched it happen, and then my phone rang. I had a friend that was in at, in Miami at the time at oh the game. Oh my god, that's awesome! So I I watched that. I watched it happen. The touchdown. As you said, I'm waiting for the graphic to say flag. Yeah, flag. Like, there's always this, there's always a hold. Yeah, somebody's always holding on that kind of play. Like mm-hmm. I remember, remember a couple of weeks ago, Rutgers did like a thirty lateral. Yes, yeah. And then there was flag. a flag, and he got rid of it. I, th- yeah. I was expecting that kind of thing. So there was mm-hmm. no flag, and they won the game. And then we're watching. All of a sudden, my phone rings. I pick. I I know he's at the game, so I pick it yeah. up. I it's. I, I didn't understand a word. It was just screaming. He was just it. screaming at me, and then he hung up yeah. the phone. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that 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 was a fun. That was a fun game to watch. Um, yeah, that, that was that was awesome. Uh, Odell Beckham had. Some comments about the Giants. I mm. thought that everything he said was correct. I, he said nothing wrong. Um, yeah. he's, he said things that I was saying. Um, mm-hmm. They didn't surround Eli, and he kind of said they didn't help him, but he kind of was more inclinating towards the offensive line. Yeah, they, I thought they so didn't. Too. They didn't help him. I mean, they helped him in terms of getting him Odell and getting him – you know, Saquon Barkley and getting him Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram, but they never addressed the offensive line. He said they went five and 11 all these years in a row. And that really bothered him. And even the year they went 11 and five is because their defense was insane. So Mm -hmm. I saw a lot on Twitter, Giants fans and really NFL fans that don't like Odell in general saying, Oh, now he's humble because his career is kind of like not the same and blah, blah, blah. But you know, I, everything he said was correct in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, again, there uh, and for whatever reason, a lot of Giants fans I feel like hate Odell. They act like 
they act like he traded himself, whether he requested trade. Again, I, I never heard anything about that. He, he clearly wanted to be with the Giants because he signed the contract to play with And he them. said in that interview that he never wanted to win anywhere else more than he did yeah. with the Giants. I mean, again, like he, the Giants drafted him. He a lot of again, he's not alone in wanting. He he felt like he owed it to the Giants. Like they they trusted him to draft him, and he was like, "Shit, I want to I want to win a game here." And again, like you said, everything he said in there was correct. And and if anyone denies that, then I think you're you're kind of dumb mm-hmm. as far as your sports takes. Just because he said, "Hey, we had an old," and he said "old," which was good because you had an older Eli Manning. He wasn't mm-hmm. the Eli, uh, the, the older Eli or the younger Eli, I guess we could say. And you had Saquon. He, Odell basically said, he's like, I proved that I could be really good. And Saquon obviously was really good too after his first year. But you did nothing for the offensive line. Like you absolutely did nothing to help out the offensive You signed Nate Solder to some massive deal. And not once did you ask yourself, wait, why aren't the Patriots, who have Tom Brady as quarterback, re-signing this guy if he's that good? And, and then a lot, a lot of people were like, "Oh, um, well, he like he 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 just like kind of wants to come back now, or he sees the Giants are doing good now." Well, it's like that's not true because yeah. the Browns are doing even better. Yeah, and 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 it's it, it's kind of like it's it's so annoying because he got painted with like, "Oh, I'm a diva," like all this stuff, and then I think he he had one of the, one of the better kind of. PR 180s we've seen since friggin' A-Rod after yeah. he tried suing the MLB. I mean, he just said, like, I'm putting my head down when he got to Cleveland, and he's just going to do his thing. Obviously, take away the, the the watch incident. He's never been an issue once for, for yeah. his team. I, I feel bad for him. People love to drag him, and it's because of what he was, his character in New York. Mm-hmm. He's been painted, as you said, like a diva, when yeah. in recent years in Cleveland, that hasn't really been the case. And mm-hmm. when he got hurt, Everybody likes to now say, oh, the Browns have been better without Odell than with Odell. And maybe statistically in a small sample size, that's true. But people forget the Browns were still like five and one when Odell was playing this year. Yeah, I mean, so, if Odell's on, on the field, you're winning games. I don't understand why Odell gets so much flack. He's never like committed a crime or anything. He's just yeah. he's, he's just a guy. He's just a very flamboyant, like extroverted kind of dude. And that's yeah. fine. But I wanted know. to win. I take him on. I take him back. I don't know. Would you take him on the Dolphins? I would a hundred thousand percent with with the right head coach who can manage that, manage that. Again, he's not even really that much of a personality, but just kind of manage his emotions. Why wouldn't you? I mean, skill set wise, I think he's one of one of the best uh, wide receivers. uh, When he's a hundred percent healthy, he's top three receiver in the NFL. He he, and honestly, it, it almost feels like he's getting like buried in Cleveland, whether it be from the media, but then even like just his opportunities or, or stats that he's putting up that like, I'm, I'm waiting for kind of where he goes next to see him blossom yeah. again and show the world what he really is. Yeah. I think, if, I think the third time is going to be the charm. I think whatever his third team's going to be, as long as it's the right system, mm-hmm. I think he'll be tremendous, whether it be a Belichick kind of situation or whoever. I don't know. I, I mm-hmm. think, I think the world of him. I'm glad that we're Same. a pro Odell Beckham podcast. That's what I'll yes, say. Because that is definitely I, for sure. I don't think it's fair that he gets the slack that he gets from the NFL and mm-hmm. especially Giants fans. I can't yeah. stand Giants fans that don't like Odell Beckham because yeah. he was the only thing that you cling to in terms of relevance for like four mm-hmm. years. And 100%. as you said, he didn't, he didn't force, he didn't, have, it wasn't this ugly divorce that we've seen. Yeah. So I don't know. 
that's kind of my thought. I, I saw on Twitter like Giants fans you. being like, "Oh, who's this guy? Like, why is he talking about the Giants?" Well, first of all, he was yeah. asked, and yeah. two, what he said was right. And if you and, don't and like that, if you don't like what he said, then you should be mad at the Giants for doing what they did for four years and not him for saying it. And and then another thing too, the Giants are obviously a very hot team right now, but let's pump the brakes a little because they still only have what five wins. Yeah, so fair. it's like. So that I'll, I'll, again, I wanted to kind of get that across without being just like very condescending and being oh like the Giants still suck because they don't. But it's like they've put on a great performance these last four weeks, and it's like pump the brakes a little bit because if Odell came knocking on your door, you take him with open arms, and if you mm-hmm. didn't, from a GM perspective, I think you'd be stupid. Yeah, uh, I think if you ask the majority of Giants fans, they'd be like, oh, we don't need them. Nor don't need him. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think the smarter ones would be like, well, I think we do. Because, you know, it, let's say the offensive line is improved, obviously, and the defensive line is improved and everything seems to be good. Mm-hmm. The one thing the Giants don't have for Daniel Jones is the Odell Beckham, right? They mm-hmm. don't have that number one receiver that that Daniel Jones can turn to on a huge third down when he needs a, when he needs mm-hmm. a conversion or in the red zone when he needs a touchdown. He doesn't really have that. He has Golden Tate. He has Sterling Shepard. He has um, hot and cold Evan Ingram. He has Slayton. I don't like Evan Ingram. I'm done with him. Um, he, mm-hmm. he, it's always a drop. It's always a fumble. It's always a tip pass that ends up being picked. But I can go on an hour and that. We don't have that kind of time. But I would mm-hmm. take Odell Beckham back. That's kind of I, where I'm going. It'll never I happen. Mean, but I mean, honestly, I don't see why it couldn't. Because, I mean, Odell was like vaguely on the trading block. Then obviously he got hurt. And then I think uh, Cleveland's going to be uh, have an interesting situation coming up eventually when they obviously they have to pay Baker. I mean, they're already paying Landry like 14 mil. I'm sure Odell's getting that kind of same money. So it's going to be like, all right, well, like we're going to need to free up some money eventually. I mean, we just signed Miles Garrett to a massive deal. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if Odell gets traded, to be honest. And I also wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I if definitely the, if think the Giants... he's played. I think, I think he's played his last game in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I just think in terms – I think financially, I think it makes sense for Cleveland to try to move him mm-hmm. because I, they have been doing good without him. So I think yeah. if they can trade him away and then use that money to, I guess, protect Baker more or ensure that defense, I think that would be yeah. a better use of that money. But we'll see. And yeah, that we will. So that will just about do it. Next week we can have a completely different playoff picture, and we probably will because that's what happened Definitely. this week. Um, Giants, big game against the Cardinals. Dolphins, big game against the Chiefs. Do we have a score prediction? Dolphins, Chiefs, I'm going to go with 27 to... The Chiefs didn't look so hot on Sunday night. I know, that that is true. I'm I'm, going to give them them 27 to 17. Okay. Chiefs winning. You just want to see a good fight. Yeah, no, I, I, again, I don't want to see some friggin' forty to nothing blowout. I okay. obviously you want you want to see Tua show what he's got a little bit because it's like the Chiefs' defense is good, but they're not like the Steelers. And then I'm very very excited to see what this defense, who's been propped up and said that they're really good, what are they going to do against uh, the Chiefs? Because the Broncos they handled them pretty well, I would say. So let's see what you got. Would you or would you not be able to survive? A Miami miracle this week against the Chiefs. Oh, see, yeah, see, 
I would I would probably faint. Like, there's not you a d- doubt in my mind. I, I would die. drop that. I, I honestly think I would. Like, I, not a doubt in my mind. I would love to see that. Well, I wouldn't want to see you. I wouldn't want you to die, but, like, I would yeah. love to see a Miami miracle against Kansas City. Even though I love myself some Chiefs, I think it would just mm-hmm. be fun if the Dolphins hopefully, somehow. Hopefully we'll, hopefully we'll give it to you. Oh, my God. That that'd be crazy. That'd, that'd be insane. But we'll see what happens. For Matt Ferrara, my name is Glenn Denegris. We'll see you on the next edition of Ice the Kicker.